Blog Talk Radio. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining in with us this evening. Listen, I'm excited about what God is doing and the move of God that is about to break forth. So we are going to jump right into God's word this evening. Listen to this. There are a number of powerful two-word phrases that we can find in the word of God. Phrases such as healed off, gathered in, cast out, raised up, pulled down. Each of these phrases are used in contact with the power of God. However, there is one phrase that is used more than 43 times in Scripture that when I hear this phrase, this two-word phrase, makes my spirit leap for joy. And that phrase is, but God. But God. These, this small two-word phrase communicates a tremendous message to all who would hear it. This two-word phrase, but God, it is God's response to Satan's challenge. It is the bottom line. It is the last word. When you come to the two words of but God, know that it is all over but the challenge. But God, when viewed in relation to the challenges of life, it is what up is to down. But God, when viewed in relation to the challenges of life, but God is what life is to death. It is what in is to out. But God stands diametrically opposed to the negative war of this world. I don't care what the world may say. It's what God may say or but God. Hallelujah. The world says no. But God says yes. The world says can't, but God says can. The world says won't, but God says will. The world will tell you to stop, but God says keep on going. The world says don't, but God tells you to do. The world tells you defeat it, but God says you have the victory. But God climbs the highest mountains. But God travels across the darkest valley. It is the singing in the song of victory in the midnight hour. But God 
it exclaims, I'm going into the enemy's camp, and I'm going to take back what he stole from me. But God is our courage, it's our confidence, and it's our conclusion. But God, I'm speaking to you from the perspective of God when you hear me say, but God. But God isn't man's view. It's God's view. And I'm trying to encourage you this evening as we get ready to dive into our study to put on your kingdom glasses and see things as God sees them. I want you to know it's not over until God has his say. I want you to know that you can stay in for the entire game. I want you to keep fighting until the last seconds are ticked off of until the home team has had its chance to show up and show out. Wait until the last out is made. Don't give up. Don't quit too soon. Remember, but God. I want you to know that the jury may still be out. The votes may still need it to be counted. You may still be waiting for the fat lady to say, and I'm here to tell you it's not going to happen until you have your but God moment. But God. Why is but God so important? But God is where our faith lies. Hallelujah, God. And that is what I want to speak to you about tonight. Just the simple subject of but God. I want to welcome you to this, the 647th episode of Perfect Kingdom Network. I am your host for the evening, Pastor Troy Daly, and I would like to welcome you to Study for Life. We are standing in this evening for my sister, my sister, Sister Darlene Lawrence, who is usually here with us every other Monday with Righteous Consciousness. She cannot be with us tonight, but know that our prayers are still with her, that God is still in the blessing of business, and no matter what may be going on, but God, hallelujah, it's but God. And I need you out there listening this evening. Stop what you're doing. First, grab your word, your sword. Grab your basic instructions before leaving earth. Grab the word of God. Grab that source from where our faith comes. For the word of God says faith comes from hearing, but hearing comes from the word of God. Grab your Bible. Grab a pen. Grab something to jot notes down on. As we're talking this evening, you may have a question as we are examining but God, but we encourage you all to join in with us. The phone number to call in if you're listening via Internet is 319-527-6091. We want you to send out text messages. Let everyone know that we are broadcasting live now right here at www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. Again, let them know we would love to hear from them this evening. I do not want this to be a lecture. A lecture. 
I would prefer for this to be a conversation, but I am surrendering my will and this to the will of God, and it will be what he says it will be. But we would love to hear from you. And, again, that number is 319-527-6091. And if you would like to speak with us live on the air, just press 1, and uh, we will bring you right in as soon as possible. Amen. But we want you to let everyone know that we are about to dive into God's word, and it is time for us to study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that need not be ashamed, that can rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. So before we go any further, and I'm still talking because I'm praying that as I'm dragging this particular piece out that you are grabbing your Bibles and uh, something to jot notes down in. Um, But before we go any further in this evening's lesson, we are going to stop and have a word of prayer. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father God, we come before you this evening, first and foremost, just praising your holy name. We come saying thank you, Father God, for all that you have done for all that you are doing, and for all that you are going to do, Father. We just say thank you this evening, God, for you are such an awesome, awesome God. Even in this time when man would try to say that you don't exist, when man would try to say that you're made up, even in this time I can still stand firm on your word and declare that there is still a living God Sitting on the throne, the great I am that I am is still in existence. And for that, God, I just say thank you, Lord, for being my alpha and my omega, for being my beginning and my ending, for being the author and the finisher of my faith. I just say thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. You're worthy of the glory this evening. You're worthy of the power this evening. You're worthy of the blessings this evening, Father God. Hallelujah, God. We just thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. We thank you this evening, God. God, you are still our Jehovah Jireh. You still are our provider. You are still meeting the needs of your people, God. Father, I ask that you meet the needs of your people today, Lord, no matter where they be, whether it be on the phone, whether they be listening via Internet, God, we ask that you meet each and every need that they may bring before you, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, God, we ask that you release the spirit of healing in the land, Father. In the name of Jesus, God, we tell that demon of affirmity that we plead the blood of Jesus upon God's people. In the name of Jesus, you have no power. Hallelujah, God. You have no victory. Hallelujah, God. We ask, God, that you release the spirit of joy upon those uh, wrestling and dealing in sorrow this evening, God. We ask for a spirit of comfort, Father God, with the bereaved families this evening, God. Hallelujah, God. Touch them. Let them know that you will never leave them nor forsake them, God, that even in this their time of need, Father, let them know that you are with them in the mighty name of Jesus, God. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, God. We just thank you this evening, God. 
then, God, we ask that you will just reach into the depths and the crevices of our souls, dig out that which should not be, Father God, that you would clean us out through and through thoroughly, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Cleanse us with your word. Cleanse us by your power. Cleanse us with the blood of your son, Jesus. Hallelujah, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Then, Lord, we ask that you would draw some lost soul to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ this evening. Hallelujah, God. And, Lord, as I always ask, I pray that you will allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It is in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, I'm just blessing God, because as I said, I'm just so excited about those two words, but God. See, you're not going to get excited if you've never had a but God experience in your life. And somebody is sitting there this evening, I'm going to tell you why God had me going back here, because somebody is sitting here this evening listening to this word. And they're feeling like, okay, I must be doing something wrong. I must have done something wrong. They feel like they shouldn't still be in this situation. They're remembering the promises that God has spoken to them, and they have yet to see the manifestation of them. They remember the prophecies that have been spoken to them, and they have yet, hallelujah, God, to see the fulfillment of those prophecies But because they remember what God has told them, they are trying to hold on. They may feel discouraged, but they are trying to hold on nonetheless. And hallelujah, we just bless and praise God for that. We bless and praise God for them. And that is why God has me coming before you this evening with the topic of but. God, hallelujah, God, hallelujah, God, that is why he has us before you with the topic of but God. Now, I want to let you know that in that book of miracles that I told you to get as we were starting our program this evening, and and for that person who just said, what book of miracles? I'm talking about your Bible, uh, as I said, the basic instructions before leaving earth. In that book of miracles, I want you to know that you can find many instances where our adversary, where the enemy, where Satan is not just confounded and confused, but also defeated. Again, I'm here because somebody thinks that Satan is going to win. Somebody thinks that it's not worth the fight. But I'm telling you, if you were to open up that book of miracles, there are stories of all of the different elaborate schemes that have gone awry because Satan just fails to realize that God will have the final set. And he wants you to feel to realize 
that God will have the final say. He has worked hard to get everything just right in your life, to make you think that you're going to fail, to make you think that you will not have the victory, to make you think that everything is all over. But I'm here to tell you this evening that the devil is a liar. Hallelujah, God. And that God's word is and always has been true. It remains true even today. Hallelujah, God. And that you will be victorious because of two simple words, but God. If you would, I want you to join me in your Bibles. We're going to be looking at um, two particular scriptures. We're really going to be in the book of Genesis, so keep your fingers there in the book of Genesis. But if you can join me in the book of Acts, chapter 7, okay, book of Acts, chapter 7. That is the fifth book in the New Testament of the Bible. So you should see Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. The book of Acts, chapter 7. And we're going to be looking at verse 9. Well, 9 and 10, truthfully. The book of Acts, chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. And it reads, And the patriarch moved within sold Joseph into Egypt. But God, here we go, but God was with him and delivered him out of all his affliction and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. He made him governor over Egypt and all his house. But if you go back up, it said, And the patriarchs moved with envy, and they sold Joseph into Egypt. But in their selling Joseph into Egypt, the scripture says, But, hallelujah, but God, hallelujah, God, but God was with him. So no matter what it was they thought they were doing, they can't outdo what God is going to do. No one can outdo what God is doing for your life. Let me put it to you plain. The only one who can stop God's plans for your life is you, and that's by refusing to walk in God's will. Hallelujah, God. You have to understand that God is so awesome that no matter what your situation may look like, there is a but God moment waiting to happen. Now, when I look at Acts chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, the first thing that I realize is that they are talking about uh, the 12 children of Israel or the 12 children of Jacob or the sons of Jacob. If you remember the story of Jacob, and you can read it right there in the book of Genesis, Jacob's name was changed by God to Israel. And in him changing his name to Israel, he promised him that he was going to make of him a great nation. And Jacob, which was the continuation of the father of the promise that God had made 
to uh, Jacob, to his father Isaac, and to his father Abraham first. So now it is three generations later, and we are starting to see the full manifestation of this promise. Amen. Now understand the promise had already started being fulfilled. Abraham had more children than just Isaac. Yes, he had Isaac, but remember he also had Ishmael by his handmaiden, and then he had other children um, after his wife Sarah died by his other wife that he had married. So the promise had already started to be fulfilled. However, there was a deeper promise at play then because you have to remember if you read it, they're, we're, we're waiting for and God is preparing for and booming the world for the arrival of the Messiah. So now we have here uh, Joseph, who is the young, not the youngest, the second youngest of the children of Jacob or the children of Israel. Remember, Jacob and Israel are the same people. And Joseph was the first child of Joseph's wife that he loved. Now, I'm not going to go all into that history again. Read the book of Genesis. It's all right there, and it will be explained in detail. But Joseph's mother was barren up until God opened her womb and blessed her with Joseph. And then later on, she had Benjamin, but she died in childbirth, bringing forth Benjamin. But Joseph was the firstborn of of, of the, the wife that Jacob loved. And because of that, Jacob loved Joseph. And Jacob made sure that everybody knew how he felt about Joseph. I mean, don't take me wrong. I'm sure that he loved all of his children. But Joseph was his favorite. And he, like I said, he let them know that Joseph was his favorite. But more importantly than Joseph being the favorite of his father, Joseph was uh, found to be in favor by God. Because, again, if you read the story of Genesis, of, of Jacob and Joseph, and we're going to dive in where I want to pick up at, you will find that uh, God had given Joseph dreams where he had shown Joseph that the day was going to come where his family and where the nations would one day bow down unto him or bow down for him. And his brothers took offense to his dreams and his visions. And even his daddy had an issue with them um, here and there. But because Joseph was his daddy's favorite, his brothers, the patriarchs, they're talking about the other sons of Jacob, uh, Dan, Judah, Reuben, um, Gad, just to name a few of them. They, they got upset. They were envious. They were jealous of Joseph, and they meant to kill him. However, they threw him into a pit. Now, that's where we're going to pick up that, because as I said, when you read Acts chapter 7, verses 9 to 10, you, it, it reads as if everything happened this damn boom. You know, Joseph, the brothers threw him into a pit. They sold him into slavery, and as soon as he got sold into slavery, he made it into Egypt, and the Pharaoh just fell in love with him and made him rule over everything. And sometimes when we hear prophecies and words from the Lord or when we hear promises of God, God often 
will not show us the whole picture of what it is he has in store for us. What he will do, though, is will let you see what the end result may be, or he'll let you see what um, is coming your way, but he's not going to send you or allow you to see the whole picture. Now, I used to always wonder, well, God, why? But as I've begun to grow up, now, this isn't what I've learned biblically. This is just what I've learned living. If God was to show us everything in between point A and point C, we would mess up along the way. See, I I tell you all all the time, God had no choice but to take on the form of man and come down and give his life for the salvation of mankind. Because if it was up to me... I just, look, I'm just going to tell you, I'd have been in glory with the Father talking about, yes, Lord. Yes, I'm going to go. I'm going to die for him. Yes, I got you, God. And as soon as I felt them snatch my beard out my face, we'd have had to rethink some things. As soon as I felt that cat and nine tail come across my back, oh, I'm trying to tell you, Toy would have got up. I'm trying to tell you I bless God for what he did for us, for the sacrifice that he made for us, but he doesn't show us everything in between because we we would turn around if we knew that there was a beat down coming, there was a pit experience coming, there was a bondage experience coming, there was a slavery experience coming, there was a prison experience coming. God didn't show Joseph all of that in the dream. He just showed them the corn stacks of hay bowing down to his corn stacks. He showed him all of the, the stars, the soul, celestial stars bowing down to him. Because had Joseph had seen what was going to get him to that place, he might have said, Lord, no, uh, uh, I'm sorry, you got to pick somebody up. Try Reuben, he's older than me. Try Gad, he can try one of the Judah. You know, Judah means praise. He'll do it. Because that's how man is. We get in God's way a lot. I'm sorry. I I don't know who that's for. Somebody out there that's listening that needs to learn how to get out of God's way, that needs to learn how to step aside. And how do you step aside by saying, God, I just surrender. I'm I'm getting out your way. I surrender it to you. However you want to use me, I'm willing to be you. Hallelujah, God. Because the situations are never about you. The situation is for God to get the glory. And if we remember that it is all about God getting the glory, then we would not have a problem being the tool that God uses for his glory. Hallelujah. That's easier said than done, I know. But as I said, he didn't show him all of the experiences. If somebody out there this evening that's listening, that God has spoken some things over, and I mean, you know it was God. I'm not talking about somebody proper lied to you. Somebody truly came with the word from the Lord, and they prophesied to you. They spoke into your life. God may have revealed something to you through Scripture. You could have been sitting in the sanctuary in the service, and God just revealed something to you a sermon, but whatever it is, you're sitting there going, okay, but I know what the promise was, I know what they said, 
but I just don't see it. I can't see it. I don't feel it. I'm not receiving it. I mean, I want it. I want to receive it, but it's just not here, and I don't understand why, and you're getting discouraged, and I'm here to encourage you this evening with but God. I don't care where you're getting ready to find yourself at in this walk we are about to take. I just want you to know, but that even in the midst of it, but God is still with you. But God is not man that he should lie. But God's word will not return unto him void, but will accomplish everything in which he set it out to do. Hallelujah, God. So understand, when they first decided that they were going to sell Joseph into slavery, his first stop was a pit. Now, I told you we're talking about Acts chapter 7, 9, and 10, but we were going to review it in Genesis. Amen? So I want you to meet me in Genesis chapter 37. That's the very first book of the Bible. Now, I'm not being smart if you cannot find Genesis. I want you to start your Bible study all over again, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. As soon as you open your book, pass some concordance that start in the front now. Pass the concordance, table of contents, about the book. If it's study God, go past that how to use the God book. Right there you're going to find Genesis, and we're going to be in Genesis 37, and we're going to begin reading at verse 22. And I know some people might go, well, why do you always tell us the Bible verses and locations like that? I'm really not being funny, but I'm going to tell you, when I first um, started to really walk in salvation and, and uh, um, as an adult, because as a child it was a different situation, but as an adult, when I really began to walk wholeheartedly in my salvation, one of the things that I used to um, have a hard time doing was finding the location of the different uh, books of the Bible in the Bible. And sometimes, yes, even that first book, Genesis, because of all of the stuff they put up in the front. So I'm saying that to say I'm not, I don't do it to be smart. I do it to help whoever that baby is in Christ that's just picking up their weapon for the first time. See, that's what I love about the military. We don't give our soldiers guns and then just say to them, okay, God then start shooting the enemy. They train them. They teach them how to take that gun apart. They teach them how to put that gun together. They teach them a little affirmation about their weapon. They know they can, they teach them how to put their weapon in the safety mode so it can't hurt anybody. They teach them how to take that safety off. They teach them how to do uh, close-up kills as well as kills at great distance. That's how we should be with our word of God. That's the first mistake we make today. We no longer teach the children of God, the babes of God, how to use their weapons. And then we look at down our nose at them when they go out into the battlefield and come back wounded, hurt, scarred, and beaten down. And it's not because their shield of faith was enough. It's because when it was time for them to go into the offense, they had no clue as to how their weapons work. We've got to get better at that. We've got to get to a place where we begin to teach the baby in Christ and understand a baby is not just a three, four-year-old. There are some folks that's grown that just gave their lives to Christ. They are considered babies in Christ. We are all children of God. Hallelujah. So now hopefully y'all are there. Genesis chapter 37, and we're going to begin reading at the 
no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brothers that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was there was no water in it. Amen. So let's talk about that first experience. Because remember, Joseph had all these dreams about how the Lord was going to bless him and how great he was going to be. His father had favored him with this coat of many colors, colors yet here he finds himself in this pit. Mm. Somebody is going through a pit experience. You've done everything the way that you were supposed to to do it. You've done everything the way that society says to do it. You've done everything the way that God's word tells you to do it to the best of your ability. And I say it that way because the word of God tells us that we all fall short of the glory of God. So if we all fall short, none of us got it perfect, but to the best of your ability, you're doing everything Yet it seems like the same people supporting you, the same people who should be standing by you, the same people who should have your back has now spoken death against you. And their desire is to throw you into the pit. Now let me explain the pit experience. The pit experience is a place where you are not moving. You are not going anywhere. You are all alone in the pit experience. I didn't say you feel alone. I'm saying you are all alone. There's nobody in that pit but you and God. Now, most people would say that the pit experience is the get up place to be. But understand, it was that pit experience that saved Joseph's life. Because if you remember, Reuben had to convince his brothers to put Joseph in the pit. If you read a little further up in that verse, you will see where their desire was to kill him. They was just done with him. But Reuben, he was, uh, uh, how do I say this? He was with God enough to know that he could not kill his brother, but not with God enough to stand up against his brothers when they spoke about doing harm to Joseph. Mm. Y'all know we didn't ready to do a side note, because that's how some saints of God are out there. I'm not saying that necessarily it's somebody under the sound of my voice. I'm not saying it's necessarily somebody maybe at your church. I'm not saying that it's even you. I'm just saying that there are some saints of God out there. You know, you'll stand up for something that you know is totally wrong. However, you won't stand up and speak out on behalf of God when it means you have to stand against your peers. Mm. Thank God. Hallelujah. Now, I know that's word right there. How many times have we sat back and we listened to them just, you know, we on the job and we just listen to a group of coworkers tear down another coworker and we know it's wrong. We don't say a mumbling word because we don't want to have to stand against our peers. How many times have we seen people doing things that we know God's word literally tells us that we should not do and, and that we ought not even be a part of, that we go and partake because we are afraid 
of standing up against our fear. I want you to remember that God's word says he did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of adoption. Hallelujah. And, and a power in which we can call out Abba Father, that we can call out for help to strengthen us in that rubenized situation. Yeah, I just made up that word, denied. You know, we're just too scared. I'm not, I'm not going to say rubenized. I'm sorry, rubenitis. Rubenitis. That's my new word for it. When you're too scared to stand up against your peers, knowing that what they're doing is wrong, knowing that what they're plotting is wrong, so you convince them to do it another way and then you're going to sneak around later and try to fix what it is to convince them to do differently instead of just telling them from the rest. Uh uh-uh, uh, we can't do that. That's not of God. No, we can't do that. I can't be a part of that. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you the Christ in me ain't going to let me do that. Joseph here in this pit. He's in this pit experience. And, it, and it's funny because what it said about that pit was that it is specified there was no water in it. Now, y'all know I really believe that there is nothing in God's word that was not put there for a reason. Water is symbolic of the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. One of the symbols is water. He was in this pit with no water. He was in this pit and could not feel God's presence. Somebody this evening cannot feel God's presence. But the question tonight is, even though you can't feel them, will you trust them? Will you trust them that there's something greater he is working out in you and through you? Will you trust them that there's something greater that is playing out in the grand scheme? Will you trust them that he said he would never leave you nor forsake you? And just because you can't feel him, Understand, I didn't say that God wasn't in the pit. I didn't say that the spirit of God wasn't in the pit with Joseph because as you were getting ready to see, the spirit of God stayed with Joseph. But Joseph did not feel it. He said, and there was no order in the pit. So that meant he could not feel it while he was in the pit. Somebody thinks, oh, I done lost the whole the Holy Spirit. He, I, I done sinned so bad, the Holy Spirit doesn't even come upon me no more. It's not that you sinned because you weren't sinning. Yes, he's working with you on your anger. Yes, he's working with you on your temperament. Yes, he's working on you on some judgmental issues. Yes, he's working on you on some bondage issues. But God is working on all of us. Then go there. But God, again, he's working on all of us. However, in him working on you, you will not always feel him. You cannot feel him all the time. But just because you do not feel him, it does not mean he is not there. I think it was Kirk Franklin that wrote the song that said, Yes, I'll trust you, Lord. Even when you can't feel me, will you still believe my word? And he said, Yes, I'll trust you, Lord. So he was thrown in the pit. Now, again, Rufus' plan was to save him from the pit. 
but he couldn't save him from the pit because then along came some Ishmaelites and these Ishmaelites were slave traders and they were on their way to Egypt and it was a caravan and they decided that, you know what, we ain't even got to kill Joseph because after all, he is our brother. So what we're going to do is we're going to sell him into slavery, into Egypt. So you read on down a little bit further when you get somewhere between uh, the 37th and the 38th chapter, you see when the Ishmaelites came along and they decided that they were going to sell us into slavery. They weren't going to kill him. They were just going to make him go into bondage. They were just going to make him a slave. So by the time you get to the 39th uh, verse, it says that they, uh, I'm sorry, the 39th chapter, you see Joseph as a slave in Egypt. Now, I, I'm going to go back because I wanted to, I was going to go originally right into that 39th chapter, but God is putting it in my spirit to show something to somebody out there listening this evening because you're still so stuck in your pit experience that you think that just like with Joseph, you're coming up out your pit, but the situation to you seems bleaker than the situation we're in, and I'm here to try to tell you this evening, God is screaming out to you this evening that you have to just stand firm on the but God experience. Hallelujah. You got to wait and believe God that no matter what, you have to believe what God is going to do. You have to believe what God has said. You have to believe the word that God has promised. So they they sold him into slavery. (coughs) And so, yeah, we are going to go straight to the 39th verse. It says, and Joseph was brought down. And I'm, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39, the first verse. Amen. It says, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him off the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. Here we go again. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. I'm going to stop right there for a second. Somebody is sitting there trying to figure out why even in your mess you seem like you're getting blessed. It's right here because the Lord is with you. And when I say your mess, because somebody just said, mm, she's justifying her sinners. When I say your mess, I'm not talking about your sins. I'm talking about the situations that you may find yourself in. Somebody is sitting there going, I don't have a job, but all my bills seem to always get paid. That's because the hand of the Lord is with you. Somebody is sitting there saying that I don't um, have a roof over my head or I don't own a house, but I've never had to sleep in the street. That's because the hand of the Lord is with you. You got to unsee. Everybody is still looking for the big red sea party to believe that God is still 
real blessing, that God is still in the miracle business. And what I'm trying to get you to understand is every day that God makes a way for you, it is a blessing. It is a miracle. It is a way maker because he didn't have to do it. He just chose to do it for you. Hallelujah, God. He chose to do it for you. So he was taken as a slave. He went from being the favorite of his father into a pit, and now he is a slave in the master's house in Egypt. So now not only is he a slave, but he's a slave in a foreign land, and he's underneath a master. But the hand of the Lord was with Joseph, or the Lord was with Joseph. And everything that Joseph touched, the Lord blessed. So much so that the scripture tells us that uh, that Potiphar placed Joseph. Wait a minute, I want to get the right. So it says, and it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house. Potiphar made Joseph the overseer. And over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field, and he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. As a slave, God is still blessing him. As a slave, God is still keeping him. As a slave, God is still setting him up for success. God is teaching him how to manage. God is teaching him how to work. Because remember, he was his daddy's favorite. He never did no work. Somebody's sitting here crying, why am I in this situation? God is not punishing you. God is trying to teach you. And if you would ever get your mindset and mind frame out of that of a punishment into that of a lesson, you may understand what it is that God is doing. God wasn't punishing Joseph in the pit. He was breaking Joseph in the pit. God wasn't punishing Joseph as a slave. He was training Joseph as a slave. Hallelujah, God. Remember, Joseph never did no work with his daddy. He was his daddy's favorite. He didn't. He had servants to wait on him. And then when his servants didn't wait on him, he had brothers to wait on him. But because God needed him, God had to get Joseph into a space and a place where he could be used by God. Hallelujah. Somebody out there listening this evening, I'm trying to tell you he's not punishing you, honey. He's teaching you. Oh, you trying to make $50 last for a whole month. He's getting ready to promote you to some type of an accountant somewhere, and he's trying to teach you how to keep the books balanced. He's trying to teach you how to depend on him. All of a sudden, it seems like all you keep doing is taking care of sick people here and sick people there. Maybe God is trying to train you up in how to be a healer. It's not that you're taking care of sick people because you're being punished. It's not a curse on your family. It's not a curse on your house. But there's a call on your life to be a healer for the Lord and that the power and life of death is in your tongue. And until you get to a place where you begin to allow God to use you where you're at, he can't train you to be what he needs you to be. Hallelujah, God. You've got to get to a place where you're willing to allow God to use you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I know we're at the time of 
uh, for the call of salvation, and I'm going to get there in one second, but I wanted you to know that he went from being blessed in Potiphar's house to being thrown in prison. Now, somebody's saying, why is he thrown in prison? Because the same people he brought a blessing to was the same people who just not only lied on him, but then acted as if they did not remember his character, and they threw him in prison on the line. Now, somebody's sitting there going, ooh, that sounds like some soap opera type stuff. Where can I read that at? Keep on reading down here in the book of Genesis, chapter 39. You'll see the whole thing play out before you. So he was thrown into the prison. But the scripture tells us that when Joseph was thrown into the prison, even in the prison, God's hand was with Joseph. It says in Genesis 39, verse 7, it says, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. Here we go. But the Lord was with Joseph. Here we go again, a but God experience. Hallelujah. Y'all just don't understand. I'm trying to get somebody to get excited about but God. Because Joseph, we're talking about Joseph. And we know the story from the prison. And from the prison, he was taken into uh, Pharaoh's palace because it was while he was in the prison that he met two people who had dreams. And he they couldn't uh, understand the dreams. And they asked Joseph to interpret the dream, and Joseph interpreted the dream. But even after that, Joseph interpreted the dream, and they saw that the interpretations came true. And even after that, the person who he said, remember me when you're put back in your place, still let Joseph sit for two more years after all of that. You'd have thought he'd have been skipping out of the jail cell talking about Pharaoh's son. Let me tell you something. I need to tell you about a slave y'all got down there. He was so glad to come back, he forgot all about poor little Joseph. Somebody sent me today talking about, mm, they done forgot all about me. I done did this for them. I done did that for them. I done did the other for them. But they done forgot all about me. I'm here to tell you it's okay if they forgot about you because God has it. Hallelujah, God. That's the reason to shout right now. They may have forgot, but God has not forgotten about you. Hallelujah, God. Even right now, somebody listening to us talk this evening may not know God in the pardoning of their sins. They may not know anything about Jesus Christ. They may have heard about him. They may have never met him. They may have never had the opportunity to come to him. Well, I'm here to tell you this evening that this is your but God experience. The word of God says the wages of sin is death. Ha! But the gift of God, there goes your but God, is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, God. The word of God also tells us that if any man believes in their heart and confess out their mouth that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he lived this, his, his life on this earth, that he laid his life down on the cross, that he was risen on the third day, and that he ascended back unto the Father. If you believe that, you confess it out your mouth, according to God's word, you are saved. Hallelujah, God. There's power in that but God. 
Oh, I, I can't. I can't come to God. I, I grew up in the Islamic family all my life. Tonight is your but God moment. Hallelujah. It's so like, oh, you used to stand on the corner. You might be standing on the corner listening via phone or over the Internet. This is your but God moment. Yes, God loves you. God said, whosoever believes on him, whosoever covers the drug dealer and the prostitute, it covers the addict and the drunk, it covers the murderer and the whoremonger, it covers the liar and the thief, it covers every sin from adultery, which is A, to zealousness, which is C, it covers every sin in between, whosoever will let them come. Hallelujah. There's nothing too hard for God. Let this be your but God. Man said you would never amount anything, but God said you are the head and not the tail. Man said you could never be anything, but God said you are above and not beneath. Man said you'd stay broke all your life, but God said you are the lender and not the borrower. Man said you'll never be employed, but God said not only is he going to employ you, but he's going to raise you up in the company. Hallelujah. It's but God. All you have to do for your but God experience is accept him in your life. You accept him in your life by simply saying prayer for me. You say, Father God, I agree with you on your word. I'm ready for but God in my life. And I accept the gift that you gave me, your son Jesus. I ask him to forgive me my sins. I ask him to come into my life and to make me new in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you said that prayer, the next thing you have to do is you just confess it out of your mouth. You just tell somebody. Call somebody on the phone. You don't have to wait until Sunday morning or Bible study or prayer service. Call somebody on the phone and just say, hey, I just accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Uh, uh, if you're on a bus or something, if, if somebody is in the house with you, just go into the other room and tell them. Or go out and stand on the porch and scream or your front steps your front door, scream it as loud as you can. I just accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. But according to God's word, as soon as you make that confession out of your mouth, you are saved. And then we say, welcome to the kingdom. Not to purpose kingdom, but to God's kingdom. Because that's the kingdom that you want to belong to. Hallelujah, God. Now, for those that are listening via Internet, I want to let you know that in six minutes we will be getting cut off if you are listening via Internet, but you still have time to call in to hear the conclusion of uh, the program this evening. You can call in at 319-527-6091 and press 1 if you would like to speak live on the air or you can just listen in to the remainder of our program. We would like to do a special thank you to all of our listeners overseas and via Internet throughout the United States. We just bless God for each and every one of you. We are praying for you. We are praying with you. Our engineer will be coming on, Brother Robert, to give you 
um, further announcements about how you can contact us here at Purpose Kingdom Network as well as what shows will be coming up next. Brother Robert? Uh, yes, yes. Thank you. Uh, real quickly, I'll go ahead and do the, uh, the announcements. This is a product of Purpose Kingdom Network. We thank everybody for joining us for the 647th episode of Purpose Kingdom Network. If you want to correspond with us here at Purpose Kingdom Network, you can correspond with us via email at purposekingdomnet at gmail.com where you can send your comments, questions, concerns. You can simply say hello or send a prayer request. Uh, we'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, also, you can do likewise at purpose underscore kingdom at Instagram and Twitter. If you want to hear any of our past or previous shows and listen to it in its entirety, you can go to www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. Simply type in the host name or the show name, and uh, at your convenience, you can hear that show in its entirety. We appreciate each and every listener that uh, goes and uh, listens to any of our show shows in the archives, and uh, we thank you so much for that. With God's will and God's blessing, we hope you join us tomorrow evening at the 9 p.m. hour for DTW Ministries with our very own Reverend Aaron Williams. And once again, uh, with God's will and God's blessing, we hope you join us at the 9 p.m. hour for DTW Ministries with Reverend Aaron Williams. Uh, we thank you, and uh, as always, like I said, we we, uh, we love your support. We appreciate it, and uh, we thank you. Uh, Pastor Toy, uh, the show is going to be back in your hands. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Robert. We thank you to everyone out there that is listening um, with us this evening. I, I can't make it any more clearer to you that we have a God that will never leave us nor forsake us. And if we continue to hold on to him, if we continue to believe on him, if we continue to believe in him, Hallelujah. We will not only have everlasting life, but we will have life and life more abundantly while we are here on this earth. Amen. Everybody talks about abundant life as this financial thing. Abundance is not just based on finances. Abundance, uh, uh, when you talk about an abundant life, you're talking about family. You're talking about character. You're talking about uh, richness and beauty within. See, an abundant life is not something that can be filled materialistically. It, the best way I can tell you to understand the but God experience would be in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to begin reading at the third verse. It says, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And whereby nature, and I'm sorry, and whereby nature, the children of wrath, even as others. Mm, here we go. But God, 
hallelujah, who is rich in mercy, but his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sin, has quickened us together with Christ by grace, ye are saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For anybody listening out there this evening that feels like, okay, I'm not where she's at, or I'm not where he's at, or I'm not where the pastor is, or where the minister is, or where the preacher is, so it can't be for me. Understand, we were all messed up. I'm going to read that to you, if you don't mind, from the message version. Ephesians chapter 2. The message version, it clumps verses 1 through 6 all together. It says, it wasn't so long ago that you were mirrored in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. Talking to all of us who were saved. Wasn't that long ago before we were done? We filled our lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat, it's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of it. Instead, that's your but God, instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heavens in company with Jesus, our Messiah. For those of you who are saved, walking in Christ, just as the scripture says, Let's not look down our noses. Let's remember it wasn't that long ago that God had to reach down and we had our but God moment. I encourage each of you to continue to reach out, to continue to share your testimony, to continue to give your witness wherever you can on the highways, the byways, the buses, the trains, the planes, waiting in line at the store, washing your clothes in the laundromat, at the creek, wherever you may find yourself at, bear witness so that some lost soul may have a but God moment. For God has a but God moment for and with each and every one of you. Thank you for joining in with us this evening. We love you. God bless you. We're praying for you. Good night. Good evening. God bless. Jesus bless. He raised me up in the He 
saves me, I will not lose. I will not lose. Never wanna see you down, I will not lose. Save me. 